Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, like a reverse Bloody Mary, we risk sending the live-action Pokemon show back to hell by invoking its name. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including a possible fix to Joy-Con Drift. And then on Thursday, it's part two of determining how to bring every Zelda game into the modern era. But Mark, in the meantime, how you doing? I'm doing great. I, you know, I, I think it's, I thought it was funny that before we got started, you know, you were adjusting your light a little bit. Um, I'm trying to always get like the right angles uh, on my FaceTime when we are doing this remotely. And, you know, Patrick, I just appreciate almost 500 episodes in and we're still yeah. trying to, you know, make each other happy. I mean, this is, this is what you really need. This is what you need to do in all relationships. Yep. Um, but podcasting relationships especially, uh, it's easy to like fall into a, a comfortable routine and take the other person <laughs> for granted. And, totally. and you realize you realize what you're doing uh, is uh, if if you're not respecting the other person, you're not respecting yourself. It's so true. It's so true. Um, Mark, it's good to see you. I've been traveling uh, this this weekend. It's nice to be back uh, in LA where it rained last night. Look, I know we're past the point of doing weather reports, but it's July in Los Angeles, and it rained last night. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on this too much because, as you said, right. Weather Report right. is not a feature of this show anymore. Believe That's it right. or not, if you have joined this show recently, we used to prominently talk about the weather in L.A. and other places on a weekly basis. But we don't do that anymore. I will say, however, right. that I yeah. saw today that because of this tiny bit of rain, it is now the third wettest July ever in L.A. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Uh, you know, we were staring down the barrel of, and again, this is not, we are not bringing back a, a weather report. This is not us doing the weather report section. Um, but, you know, we were, we were headed into like a drought and we probably still are. Uh, that is, you know, just going to be catastrophic for um, the entire West Coast, but definitely for Southern California. Just that tiny little bit of rain. I saw running water on my bike ride to work today. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I I couldn't be happier. Do you, Patrick, do you think yeah. that, um, you know, for our 433rd episode, we did an entire episode devo- devoted to 433s. Do you think for our 500th episode, that is the time to bring back guest weather and we just read the weather from everywhere that uh, listeners send in? Ooh, tough sell. Uh, I mean, maybe if we if if there is a positive response to that right here and now, <laughs> and I mean emails that we get before we record Thursday's episode, then we'll think about it. Maybe uh, we should start a Patreon just to make that a Patreon exclusive episode. Oh, I mean, if someone's gonna pay for it, I'll I'll do I'll do an all weather podcast. <laughs> Mark, speaking of something else that you would have to pay me to do. Uh, the Sonic Forces borrowing program, would you like to be a part of it? You can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and send us a, a mailing address where we can send you my copy of this game for you to play as long as you want. Uh, and then you send it back. I pay for postage. 
both ways. There are no other rules. There's one uh, caveat, I suppose, uh, is that you may get my copy of Untitled Goose Game. Um, there is a goose that lives inside a Sonic Forces box, and it weaseled its way into the, it goosed its way in to the Sonic Forces borrowing program. That may be a thing that happens, uh, but you just proceed as always, play it for as long as you want, send it back. It is the perfect borrowing program. The other thing you can do is leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it so much. It is a great way to help other people find the show and keep the show growing. We check the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, and so if you leave a review there, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. If you leave a review anywhere else or favorite us, leave us five stars, whatever you do on your podcatcher, send us an email, hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to give you a shout-out on the show. Yeah, it makes it makes us feel good. Yeah, and you can't put a price on that. No, certainly you and I can't put a price on that. Um, all right, Mark, let's do it. Let's get into what we've been playing this week. Before we, uh, I mean, we have both been playing the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, but I got to shout out uh, listener Lewis who made good on his promise to send me the Steelbook case Whoa. for uh, Skyward Sword HD. Uh, so it is, it's got like the, this like crazy that graphic of like Link uh, holding the sword in front of like Zelda and Groose and like you got Girahim and Fee on there. Uh, it's really dope. Uh, I'm excited for the time when I, I'm, in, I'm also enjoying playing the game, but I'm excited for the time when I can take the cartridge out and pop it into the little Steelbook case uh, and, and put it up on my shelf. It's very handsome. The steelbook case for the Switch is they're always like so fun for whatever reason because they're like they're like fun sized. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, and the the back of it is just the uh Hylian Shield and the uh Skyward Sword, um, nay Master Sword. Um and so uh yeah, it's it, it's it's dope. I'm I'm really I'm really happy that uh that you sent this thing, Louis. So uh thank thank you very much. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Girahim, is that the name of, like, the kind of villain character that... Um, yes. Okay. It, so, I uh, am not too much further into the game. I beat the first temple. And so, everything I said about the beginning of the game is still true. I really enjoyed, like, the characters. I think the music is amazing, all of that. Um, I'm not t- entirely sold on the combat. It's a little too, like, right. stop and go for me, where it's like, okay, every single enemy I encounter, no matter how small, I have to, like, stop and defeat it, because you can't just, the option is either to just, like, run by it, which sometimes I do, but there's no real good way to just, like, quickly take care of an enemy. Every enemy encounter requires a certain amount of just, like, doing it, which um, is, yeah, is, is a little not bit of always a, that a struggle, yeah. Yeah. Well, the so I I was finding that too as so I I've uh I am just up to the boss fight at the end of the uh the forest temple mm-hmm. um, which is a, a, against uh Girahim, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um he he's fighting you barehanded for a little bit and then pulls out a sword. Um but uh so I, spoilers for the end of the forest temple, I guess. <laughs> um but uh uh oh, what was it? Oh, that uh, I I discovered that you can. There are sometimes when you're going up against those like moblins or bokoblins or whatever they are with clubs, where you can just shoot them with a slingshot and they get like stunned and then you just do a spin oh, attack. Oh, uh huh. 
um, and then just finish him off that way. And it's like it it was a nice way to turn like a sort of tedious combat encounter. Um, like it was just it was cool to have gotten a new tool that like unlocked that like made it easier, made it so I could just run past him instead of engaging in the kind of tricky, sticky uh, combat puzzle of fighting them. Uh, you know, speaking of like finding that new thing to unlock, I really liked the beetle. I think that's like a rules. really yeah, that's that's fun. a really fun one, and it's fun to control in using motion controls, like have it like fly around, yeah. and you know you can use it to solve puzzles or to find like secret areas and gather rupees. Like I thought that was a really fun mechanic. It doesn't really factor into the boss battle at all, which I thought was interesting, and so it makes mm-hmm. me wonder like if. Uh, uh, th- that's kind of my expectation when I get an item in a dungeon is that I'll use it in the boss battle or something like that. But I don't think it has any utility in the boss ha- battle here, which I didn't mind at all. I'm just interested to see like what, if, like how else I'll use it out in the world once I can uh, run around. Yeah, I mean it. It is interesting because like there are so many different like dimensions to just regular old swordplay in in the game, which you know, at once makes a regular combat encounter feel, like, kind of overwhelmingly tedious. Um, but, like, for a boss battle, or, like, there, there's a... Uh, are they Skullflos? The uh, the skeleton-like warriors? Um, there's one of those in there that has two swords, and, like, he holds them in a certain way that you have to, like, swing in the only direction that you'd be able to hit him. So sometimes it, it's, like, parallel lines, uh, you know, horizontal, and you have to, like, slash right through the middle. Sometimes he holds them vertical and you have to slash up and down. Sometimes he's holding them at like an L shape. And so you have to go for like a diagonal that he's not holding a sword at. And something like that um, is very cool. And like fighting Girahim is like, it's fun to have to engage with it that specifically for what feels like an event, you know, and yeah. not just like a random encounter. Yeah, it was almost like retraining myself a little bit in having to use motion controls that way where it is deliberate. Um, it has been a long time since I've played Twilight Princess on the Wii, but I immediately went into Twilight Princess mode where I was just waggling. You know, I would just shake yeah. it to yeah. get uh, Link to swing a sword, and that doesn't work in this game. I also thought it was, like, one, once I figured out that I was supposed to, like, swing the sword around in a circle to get the eyeballs. The, those eyeballs, yeah. Yeah, to, like, follow it, and then it makes them dizzy, and then you can, like, solve puzzles that way. Like that was kind of that was kind of cool, a little bit of diminishing returns, but yeah, I I think the ones that I didn't like were the the spider enemies. I can't remember what they're called. Yeah, they're tough. But the thing with the motion controls is, I like directionally it's good or it's good enough, but the stabbing motion which you have to do to attack those the like diamond on the spider's backside or on their bellies, yeah. like doing the stabbing motion, I have found that the motion oh, controls really? are not like very precise um I, I i've really enjoyed the precision of the thrusts like they they almost feel more reliable to me than uh like anytime i try to do a straight um horizontal swing it comes out diagonal um oh, so interesting. I, like I, I think i think i like the 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 stab the the jab because it's kind of just the one option of it i also thus far have not been using the shield very much Partly it's because, oh. like, I... The, so the shields in this game, they decay over time. And you have a little indicator, like a bar, that shows the yeah. shield's health, essentially. And as you use it, it goes down. And then the shield breaks 
or if you have the opportunity to like escape back up to Skyloft and you can get it repaired and then come back down. I feel like if I, if I had that amiibo, I could be popping up to Skyloft all the time. But without the amiibo, getting to Skyloft and coming back is such a hassle that it's like, do you know what? I'm just not going to worry about it. Um, there is also a potion that restores uh, oh, yeah, your life right. and, and some of the shield strength, too. Um, using the shield uh, is actually very helpful because not only does it deflect an attack, but then like it leaves the enemy stunned for a moment. So like if you're having a tough time landing hits on someone, uh, stunning them with the shield first is a, a helpful way to then like create that opening. You know, I have never played Skyward Sword before, and I remember the trailers showing off Gearheim and that kind of stuff. But when I was playing it and you encounter him in the boss, I could not believe how queer-coded this character oh, is. Oh, yes, yeah. And, you know, like, there's... I, I always have, like, a little bit of, like, mixed feelings about that because, like, I'm always excited for, like, the representation and I like seeing, seeing like, a, a just, like, loudly queer character um, in the game. But it's also, like, I don't know, having that... The, the sort of, like, hyper-effeminate villain... Yeah. is uh, a little bit of a trope too. So I don't quite know how I feel about him yet. H how are you feeling about him? Yeah, I don't really know how I feel about him either. I think I'm torn a little bit like you. Like one, you're like, oh, Girahim, you know, like a uh, queer icon. But on the other hand, you know, his interaction with Link in the first boss fight when, yeah. you know, he like gets really close to him. And it, I don't know, there was something about it that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But... Just because I, I feel like I'm kind of tired of, like, the queer-coded villain trope a little bit. Um, yeah. And it would yeah. almost be a different thing if they were just straight up, if he was just straight up like, I'm gay. But he's not, <laughs> right? Like, it's just like, it's like, sure. the, it's just the coding of it. And so it's like, okay, does that, like, uh, so having that be presented, like, as a villain is just a little tiresome sometimes. Yeah, when I think especially when it, it almost seems like his queerness is part of his villainy or like is part of what is threatening. What is threatening. Link. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Like uh, appearing over Link's shoulder and like doing the Gene Simmons like tongue thing um, while telling Link that he's going to beat him within an inch of his life uh, is like, OK, now this what like I don't I don't know. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't make me feel good. However when he like shrugs off that cape and you're like, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's definitely got a David Bowie thing going on. David Bowie, yeah. Tilda Swinton, for sure. <laughs> David Bowie equals Tilda Swinton. They're on the same, they're on the same level. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I am uh, enjoying this. It is a far slower experience, um, both just in terms of like the actual gameplay and in terms of like how much I feel like I can play at any given time. Um, just cause like, you forget that like doing all this like gesture and like waggle controlling like is a more physically demanding experience. You're not doing ring fit adventure, but like you play for two hours and you're like, okay, I'm like kind of done holding my arms up, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely less mindless than some of like other video games can be. Cause even like, you know, grinding for rupees takes yeah. significantly more effort. The other thing I have found with the motion controls is I have a really hard time getting it to d register um, that I want to do like the skyward pose and charge yeah. up my sword. Oh, but I will say the presentation of this game, I continue to really enjoy. So there's like the part app again, minor spoilers for the game, but so after the first dungeon, you kind of get a little bit of an exposition dump from uh Fee or Faye, the sword character, like the avatar for the sword. And, but she's telling you this and she's like, kind of like skating on top of 
the water in this pond. And I just thought like the whole thing was kind of like joyful and fun. I love the music. I love the arrangement of the like ballad of the goddess or whatever it's called that they use prominently in this game. Like I think it's just really beautiful. So the presentation continues to kill it for me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I there there are some elements where like I almost wish that I wasn't playing this on an on a you know high def screen because I I do think that there are some of the like painterly elements of like the regular design of the world that would play better if they were a little bit blurred out. Um, but there are some things like uh, the way Girahim's magic works, where it's just like solid blocks of like black and white, like diamond shapes that sort of like appear and vanish. And the whole like the fact that Fee ha- clearly has something digital going on there. Like you're in a medieval world, but she's a computer from the future or space or something. And I love it. Um, like there are some really bold, really exciting choices in the way the game was originally designed and uh, you know the the craft and art direction of the um original game and it's cool to see that in such high fidelity but then there's sort of like the regular part of it that i feel like i'm i'm missing the kind of you know vaseline on the on the lens mm, um, mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i totally agree about the music too like really cool arrangements of stuff really atmospheric and fun it just feels like the compared to breath of the wild or even something like Link's Awakening, it just feels like the most Zelda. Like, Breath of the Wild, the music is very, like, deliberate and stark, and only at certain yeah. times. And this mu- this game is, like, wall-to-wall music. The, you know, it has a ton of narrative. It's just, it's interesting to compare the two. I can totally understand, and maybe the further I get into it, I can see how this game could be frustrating to play. And so that's why I'm aiming to do it just a little bit at a time. But it just, it feels like maximalist Zelda. Like, it feels like the most Zelda. And then they had to, in a lot of ways, and then they had to, like, they chose to pull back from that for Breath of the Wild. It's also, like, it's interesting to think of it as the, um, like, the primordial Zelda, too, right? Because, like, it it is intentionally, like, tracing itself back to before Ganon um, and before, like, the Master Sword is a thing, right? Like, all, all of the pieces that we're seeing now are sort of like leading up to what we know as zelda um so like i i agree like having a a a maximalist maximalist zelda approach uh feels right for both um like an accurate description of what the gameplay is but also what like these sort of story elements of it are too and i think because it's been so long since i've had like a 3d zelda in the traditional zelda style I'm enjoying like going back to that a little bit. It feels like a fun safety blanket. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and uh, but I I do also want to like just kind of get out and like yeah, I think it is nice that we are both um reacting this way. Um, but I don't know that uh that there's a another universe where you and I could have both been like turned off by uh you know the sort of like um inconveniences of uh skyward sword hd or just one of us was um and i'm I'm thankful that we're we're on the same page but i could totally see a universe where that wasn't the case and we're like nah, i don't know i'm i'm annoyed by it um and just not playing it oh yeah absolutely and again like i'm only like five hours in and so I, there's a lot of game to go and so the things yeah. that right now are like on the edges of it but don't occur off like we i don't think we've talked about dowsing um yeah let's do it let's get and, into dowsing and you know uh leading up to the dungeon it's like a big like 
a good hour of the game at least is kind of like based around it and essentially it's where you use your sword almost like a radar or like one of those like sticks that are supposed to find water and you're a dowsing rod a dowsing rod and you're trying to locate a character um and it's awful it's not fun at all and so if it features prominently i'm not excited for that um can i tell you that i used dowsing to find the first of those uh Kikwis? Oh yeah, I love those guys. Yeah, I, I used one to find to find the first one of them, and then the other two, I was like, I'm just gonna run around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that it was any better. I guess the one time that I did, I actually I found it semi helpful when I was trying to locate one of them, be, mm-hmm. um, because I couldn't figure out how I was supposed to get up to that platform or like where it was located, but I could use the dowsing feature to figure out the lo- like generally where it yeah. was. And then I used the badge on the map to mark it. So that way it had like a pillar of light. And then I could just work oh, my way. In. Like It was just like, oh, okay, I've got to fi- figure out how to get to this area specifically. Um, so that's good. We've, we've been enjoying uh, Skyward Sword HD, and I'm sure we will continue to talk about it for weeks to come. Mark, is this the point in the show where we have to address the fact that my predictions of when we would find out more about uh, Zelda 3D HD remakes, uh, the time has come and gone and we learned nothing? Oh, Patrick, I didn't want to have to bring it up. <laughs> I, was just, I was just going to I was just going to let it I was just going to let it slide. I didn't want to be the one to uh, open this wound. I mean, look, I, I, I got to take the L, right? Because, like, I, I said it with such confidence, and the fact that it is uh, not what <laughs> happened, I just got to own it. And uh, next time, I'll predict something better. Well, it's a little bit of bad news for all of us, because, you know, when your predictions were spot on, then you could say something crazy, and I was like, yes, absolutely. I can't believe that's going to happen. That's amazing. Mother 3 is finally yeah. going to be localized. But now that I know I that you're fallible, that. <laughs> now that I know that you're fallible, Right? It's like a game changer. Everything has a little bit of skepticism. Uh, Well, here's something you can trust. I have also been playing uh, Metroid Samus Returns on the 3DS. I mentioned last week that I had been playing it a little bit um, and then was like, no, 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 I want to put this aside until I can get to my Metroid Amiibo, scan it in, and play the game in fusion mode, um, which is, as far as I can tell, just the hard mode, possibly an even harder version of the hard mode, plus your color palette is changed to look like the fusion suit from Metroid Fusion. Um, and last week when we talked about it, I said that I was not happy with how difficult it made the game because, you know, you, you can get one-shotted by an enemy even when you've got, like, two full energy tanks. Um, and I have since embraced this chaos, Mark, um, and I have gotten much deeper into the game. I'm into the... Um, uh, I'm I'm almost done killing Metroids for like the third set of like uh Metroid things. So I've I've probably beaten like ten or twelve at this point, um, out of the forty that are in the game. Uh and like it is brutal. It is super tough. You have to learn and just know all of the Metroid patterns. Like there there's no messing it up. Like uh, honestly, the any any Metroid like mini boss that you fight is going to kill you in two shots. Um, it doesn't matter how much health you have, um, or maybe it does, and you ha- have enough health that it can kill you in one. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I'm just leaning into it. I am uh, welcoming the punishment uh, and just kind of slowly making my way through this game again. And I still really like it. That's awesome. That that's really cool to hear that you have like 
gone past whatever wall it was, and then you're just mm-hmm. like, no, I'm embracing the pain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you just gotta embrace the pain. Sometimes all life has to serve to you is pain, and you're like, okay. <laughs> and you know, in uh, uh, playing a Metroid game, not the worst way for that to happen. No, <laughs> absolutely, it's true. I'm I'm perfectly well fed. <laughs> I do not fear for my life. All these things are great. Um, All right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, Tuesday, July 27th, Samurai Warriors 5 is released for Switch, but also Neo The World Ends With You is released for Switch and The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles plus Ace Attorney True Turnabout Collection, which bundles Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy and the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. It's a banner day. I am very excited for the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, and the reviews for Neo The World's End With You have been generally positive, which is fun, because it feels like this is one of those projects that could have turned out poorly. Uh, yeah, and, and also just, like, one of the games that, like, since its, its original release was hailed so highly, right, as a, a super fun and engaging, unique, stylized, or and then stylistic game, um, but, like, every re-release since then and, like, everything about, like, sort of, like, previews of Neo The World Ends With You have been, like, kind of middling to, like, eh, this isn't what made the original special. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is kind of exciting. I, I need to really, like, dig in um, and read some reviews. I saw that uh, Imran Khan over on uh, Fanbyte had reviewed it um, and uh, Rebecca Valentine on IGN. So, like, those are both reviews I want to, like, get back to and to actually see what they say about it. But this is probably one that I will be interested in picking up. I don't know right away. You know, I got that Skyward Sword and I got that Metroid uh, Samus Returns that I want to get through first. Um, but yeah, it, it looks neat. Yeah, I, 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 it just feels, it must be really daunting to take like, to try to create a sequel to a uh, cult classic, like the original World Ends With You. Yeah. Because the alchemy of that game is like so specific and it's been so long. So to try to reinvent it and make it a little more modern, yeah, it just feels like a very daunting task. And so I'm always impressed when something like that comes together and seemingly comes together well. Uh, similar to you, I'm very much looking forward to The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. I don't yeah. think I'm going to pick it up now. I think I'm going to wishlist it and either wait for a sale or when I just have a little bit of a drought. You know, I also have Skyward Sword HD, which I feel dedicated to get through. And I have promised everyone that I am going <laughs> right. to, at some point, play Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. And I refuse to be distracted um, away from it other than Skyward Sword HD. And so uh, I, I just, I have to do it for us, Patrick. And I'm going yeah. to play that game. And I can't let the great Ace Attorney Chronicles get in the way. Um, but also, like, if you want to play the great, I mean, here, here's the thing. We don't have really, honestly, that much time to play games in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I don't know. We're, we're getting close to, you know, September's like a month and a half away, right? We're at the end of July right now. Uh, and so in September, the new WarioWare game comes out. I know you can play WarioWare, like, between the raindrops of, you know, uh, this a storm that is another uh, big game. But then in October... Uh, Metroid Dread comes out where it's like, oh, okay, like, I don't, we're, we are coming up again on a time where, like, Nintendo is releasing big games that we're going to want to spend a lot of time with. Um, so, you know, when we get to play these, like, little games or catch up on stuff, I don't, I don't know, Mark. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Patrick, either. I, I wish, I wish I had an answer. 
I yeah. I don't know how I don't know how I'm gonna do it, but I I am determined to have it all. This is my year for playing video yeah. games. I I believe that. And then tomorrow, July twenty eighth, we're getting three new games for the SNES Switch Online. We're getting Claymates, Jelly Boy, and Bomboozle. Uh, three games that I am not familiar with. Yeah, me neither. I've heard of Claymates before. Um, but mostly because whenever I saw it, like in the uh, store to rent it back in the '90s, uh, I always had a flash where I thought it was uh, Clay Fighter, mm-hmm. which is a game that I liked at the time. Uh, and I am just as disappointed now that of what I'm seeing isn't Clay Fighter. <laughs> yeah, let me let me read the description for Claymates. Yeah. Take on the Please. role of Clayton, son of Professor Putty. Your father has made a breakthrough, and with the serum he's created, living creatures can be turned into clay. You will face many dangers, but you have the ability to transform into five different animals. You'll need all of them. You need them all to run, jump, fly, swim, and climb your way past the obstacles in your path. That doesn't sound bad. That doesn't sound bad. No, that sounds okay. It sounds a little bit like you are both the boy and his blob, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. The next one is Jelly Boy. This one, if you are from the U.S., don't blame me for not hearing about it. I certainly hadn't because it was originally released exclusively in Europe in 1995. Hmm. Um, here's the blurb for it. You are Jelly Boy, candid gi- candy given the spark of life by the power of lightning. Very gooey <laughs> Very gooey Very gooey You've come to life knowing one thing. You have to escape the candy factory. Fair. Sure. To get out, you'll need to collect puzzle pieces and survive the enemy heavies trying to stop you. You'll need to, you'll, you're sure to need all your wits, skills, and shape-changing powers to make it through this wacky adventure. Doesn't sound bad. Yeah, sounds all right. And then last one, Bomboozle. Uh, stra- strategically detonate every bomb in each level while leaving yourself a safe place to stand when the dust settles. In this puzzle game, you'll have to be quick because time is short. Just make sure you remember to take the size of each explosion into account or could blow a hole in all your careful planning. Good luck and have a blast. I'm kind of now into this. I don't know. That last one sounds like budget bomber. <laughs> I I continue I to be a little bit like um sure we all want you know to hear the hits every time a new right. game for SNES Switch Online or NES Switch Online is announced. But I am also think it's kind of fun that they are finding these you know more obscure library titles and putting them out there for people to play. I I feel like a lot of people talk the or everybody like wants video game preservation in some form or another right. but you know when these kind of more obscure games are brought out it's not as exciting as if like Chrono Trigger was put on the system and believe me I want Chrono Trigger on the SNES Switch online but I think it's kind of cool that Jelly Boy this game those exclusive to Europe sure like br- I may never play it but there will be people who play it you know what I mean yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting that these three games were announced, like, in a video that uh, Nintendo of America didn't even, like, stealth. tweet it out. No, yeah. stealth announce. <laughs> it's to- total stealth announcement. Like, they, they know what they've got, right? They, they know that they're putting out the sort of, like, super deep cuts. Uh, and, like, t- to your point, like, the, the preservation angle of it is interesting. Um, but, yeah, you know, like, when you see Paul McCartney, like, every wing song he plays is a Beatles song he doesn't, right? <laughs> um, and sure, you want to hear Jet, you want to hear Live and Let Die. But then the rest of it, like, come on, Band on the Run, also fine, you want to hear that too. 
And then on Thursday, July 29th, Blaster Master Zero Three is released on Switch. This one is interesting to me only because Bla the original Blaster Master Zero remake by Inti Creates was such a it was an early Switch eShop release that at the yes. time, you know, a remake of an NES game had I wouldn't I won't say hype, but there was a lot of discussion around it. And so interesting to see that that is continued into a trilogy and this is supposedly completes the character's story. So Blaster Master Zero Three <laughs> is released on July twenty ninth. Concluding the epic journey that the Blaster Master has been on. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I, I played, uh, a couple hours of the first one and, uh, did, did enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's interesting that Inti Creates have, like, carved out this, um, kind of niche of just making, uh, franchises out of, like, rebirths or, like, side projects of other series. Like, there's Blaster Master here, and then there's the, oh, help me out with the name of it, the Castlevania-like. Oh, yeah, um, oh, Bloodstained. Bloodstained. That's right. They they did the uh, the eight bit versions, uh, and like did a sequel to it. Uh, so you know it's 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 cool that they can seemingly execute on like the good version of uh, a, a retro game, and not in like a uh, you know kick the door down and like change everything. Like not in a shovel knight kind of way, uh, but in a perfectly serviceable, a fun couple nights experience. Um, yeah, it's 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 cool to see them do that, and I would be happy to let them do it forever. Yeah, yeah, totally. They definitely carved out a niche in doing like uh, Azure Striker Gunvolt or yeah. right, like basically for a long time running with that Mega Man type gameplay. And yeah, it's it's cool to see them kind of thrive in that space. They didn't also make uh, 20XX, right? That was a that was a an even smaller indie. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but even still. Uh, all of that. I, I love that the past is not gone. That we we can continue to play uh, games like we played on the NES and SNES, uh, kind of forever. So you know, that's yeah. We can all, we can also resurface the uh, archaic weird stuff that we've uh, never played before. Uh, all right, those are the new releases. Let's close this segment out. That brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for four thirty three. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, we got in an email today um, from Jason. Uh, he uh, tipped us off to a, a news story that we're going to be talking about shortly, but he also had a request, uh, why not discuss the In the Heights movie if we've both seen it? Mark, have you seen the In the Heights movie? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, and how do you feel about it? I, I really liked it. I, had you seen the stage version? It was basically new to me. Yeah, no, it, it, was, uh, it was totally new to me. I, hadn't, I know I have heard some of the songs, um, but I, I feel like with all uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda stuff, if I don't like sit down and like listen to it, listen to it, it's all gonna just like pass, you know, uh, just cleanly through my ears, and it'll make no impression. Um, so uh, yeah, it it felt totally fresh to me too. 
Yeah, I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I am a um I really enjoy musicals and I like the emotion and like the bombastic nature of musicals. And yeah. so I, I really enjoy this. It here is what I think it shares with like Phantom of the Opera is that the plot doesn't really make sense or like mean anything or hold together. Like right. Or the, matter. The, or, or matter. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, the plot is not very strong, but the emotions of the individual moments and songs are mostly powerful enough that you're like, yes, you walk out being like, I enjoyed that. What happened in it? I don't know that it matters, but, right. you know, like, the, um, but I was moved by it. So I, I, I did. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, it's got a little bit of that just, like, watching it for the spectacle kind of thing, right? Um. And it's I, I, it's such an interesting flick, um, because like I feel like there's a long time where uh, the locations are being filmed with like higher priority than the actors and the performances, um, and like that's very it can be cool and like gives it you know it, it makes sense it's thematically appropriate that the um, you try to shove the setting forward as a character as much as possible, um, but then there are also times where like. Like there, there's the the sequence at the pool where like there's some really bizarre green screening going on where you're like, but you were so dedicated to like showing me the space and now it looks fake. Um, but then also my my favorite uh my favorite song in the the whole show was where they're dancing on the side of the building. Oh, uh huh. And that's yeah. obviously you know CG and fake, but I, I it I don't know it really worked for me and I I, I liked it a lot. You know, it has been, like, I watched it when it came out, and so it has been long enough now that I don't really remember the specifics of the the name of the song. But my favorite number is the one with the old woman, um, oh, where yeah. she is talking about, like, her time in America and, like, what it was like being a child and growing up and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was really powerful. Or just, like, I thought the performance was really powerful, and I thought the staging of it was really cool and mm -hmm. inventive. Well, yeah, and, like, it, it did, you know, again, the sort of thing of, like, really focusing on the, the location, like, it, it did, like, a soft dissolve between her, like, holding a candle in her apartment and her holding on to, like, a, a handrail on, on the subway, um, which, you know, are all, like, that does such a good job of selling the space, um, which is obviously such an important part of that journey. Can I tell you something that I uh, didn't care for? Um, and that is Lin-Manuel Miranda as the Piragua Hated guy. it. Hated it. It's too, it's too destroy. Lin, we know who you are. Like, <laughs> the second you're in the movie, it feels like, you know, we were having a cool sleepover and dad came down. Yeah, I hated it. I hated it. Um, I hated how strongly, like how prominently he was featured. It also, it was funny to me having mostly listened to like Moana and hamilton from lin-manuel yeah. miranda right and the musicality in in the heights was so that's similar that's the applause but but keep going oh okay okay i'm just gonna say like in the heights sounds so much like hamilton to me like uh the music yep. the like lyricism like it yeah very very hamilton yeah and you know that that is also fine because like you put a couple Sondheim musicals up next to each other, and if Into the Woods or Company isn't in there, I'm not going to be able to tell you which one is which. <laughs> so, like, it's fine. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, that's what we thought about In the Heights. Uh, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. 
So as part of the release of Skyward Sword HD, Nintendo also released a really cool-looking set of Joy-Cons. Friend of the show, previous guest, Matt Acevedo, Acevedo sent us pictures of the Joy-Cons that he got, and it is a cool, cool-looking set. Yeah, especially put together with the, uh, with the Amiibo and uh, Skyward Sword uh, on, on the screen itself. It is a, a handsome little bundle. Mark, you threw that away. You had I did. Those, I you did. You had them pre-ordered. <laughs> I know. And believe me, when he sent that photo, I, it was like a dagger. I mean, a happy dagger. Yeah. I'm very happy for him and his new Joy-Con. But it, uh, <laughs> it was definitely like, ooh, that could have been me. But it's not. Uh, also, not me. Twitter user Mario RPG fan noticed that inside their new Skyward Sword HD Joy-Con, there are two thin strips of material above and below the thumbstick opening. There are conflicting reports on if the material has appeared in earlier Joy-Con releases, but it seems like it's fairly new, and it, if it has been happening, it hasn't been happening for long. So this led to speculation that the revision is intended to fix Joy-Con drift, or at least prevent it for a little bit, because one thing that some fans have been doing is opening up their Joy-Con and basically putting like little strips of cardboard in the same location to try to like apply pressure to the uh the analog stick like nub to kind of keep it in place um yeah and and you can apply that same pressure if like you're doing the the screen where you can like test you know where it's like uh sensing the position of like the, the resting of the the joy-con if you apply pressure like above and to the left and the right and below uh the thumbstick you'll see that it like sort of automatically centers itself so it does seem like a little extra pressure in the right points um fixes Joy-Con drift either permanently or temporarily, it is not clear, especially because, like, Joy-Con drift wasn't an immediate issue when, like, you know, it, it took a couple weeks and months for it to be really revealed as a persistent and uh, prevalent problem uh, for, for the Joy-Cons in the first place. So is this, uh, A, is this a fix? B, is it a permanent fix? Uh, and C, does anyone know? Does Nintendo even know? Right. And seemingly, we'll, yeah, we'll never know, right? Because right. it could be that if Nintendo start deliberately started adding this for that purpose, they're never going to say that. They're never going to right. Right, um, admit that that is the case. It may not fix it all of the time, even if that is the intention. And we probably won't know for a while, right? Because it's yeah. not like every pair of Joy-Con drifts and it's and the time that it can take to happen. Like for my first set of Joy-Con, it, I, I guess actually my, yeah, it was like a year after I bought them that I started like experiencing Joy-Con drift. So, but interesting nonetheless, it will be interesting to see if the Joy-Con that come with the Switch OLED model also have this. Because it's obviously, it didn't happen by accident, but right. what the intention is, we'll just never really know. Yeah, which is, I mean, like, it's un understandable, right? Like, there's an uh, uh, ongoing lawsuit uh, around Joy-Con drift and all of that. Um, but even if they could have acknowledged it, if Nintendo could have said, uh, starting today, it's an improved Joy-Con that has less of a likelihood of suffering from drift, like, that, that's, that, that'd be like a marketing beat. One they would never, one they could never pursue, but one that fans would, would respond to. Yeah, and I mean, really, nothing's stopping them other than just they've never really wanted to admit that Joy-Con drift was a real problem anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, I, but inter interesting to see, and it'll be interesting to see moving forward if that just continues to be like part of Joy-Con from now on. Yep. According to a new report in Variety, Netflix is developing a live-action Pokemon television series developed by the showrunner of Lucifer, Joe Henderson. Netflix has kind of become the home of Pokemon streaming in the U.S. recently, as it currently hosts the animated series. Um, I think that this is weird that it has leaked, and I wonder if the fact that this is leaked will kill it, like the purported mm. Zelda and Star Fox series that were in development with the Netflix a few years ago. Or I guess actually Zelda was in development at Netflix, reportedly. The Star, Star Fox, Fox was a funnier die thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was a funnier die thing. And then both got canceled around the same time, supposedly because the Zelda one leaked. Um, so I wonder if like the fact that this is coming out is somebody trying to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, if the, the Pokemon company is far enough removed from Nintendo proper that something like this wouldn't make a difference. Uh, I, I think both that and the Pokemon company is so much more in the like movie and TV entertainment world, right? Like um, Nintendo is still skittish around that partially because they've not had that many experiences and most of, most of their experiences, uh, you know, turn out crap, right? Like there hasn't been a good Nintendo movie or TV show. Um, and like, you can argue that there has been good, um, Poke arguably that that's what made Pokemon popular is is the 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 TV show right and Detective Pikachu was a big deal um just a couple years ago so like you know going down the uh try to do live action with uh CG monsters like that that is a different aesthetic for Pokemon but I think it's one that works and especially works for audiences in the states um like I think that's something that you know adult nerds want to see um. Our, ourselves included right like we we enjoy detective pikachu okay um but uh yeah it's i i hope i i don't think that this is uh going to kill it like the word of it getting out um and i hope i hope it's good i hope people enjoy it um but i, I don't know i i've got i've got a little bit of a i don't really look forward to anything on netflix anymore <laughs> yeah totally Feel yeah like I've been burned i, I too many times yeah, I definitely have Netflix fatigue a little bit where with their scripted series where it's like, I don't think it's going to be great, but it'll probably it, it'll hopefully be like good enough. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I am I'm curious to see what this turns out to be. Yeah, me, me too. Um, it, it, it is. It's funny, like just thinking about like the streaming shows. I apologize for a bit of a tangent here, but the, the streaming shows that like we've been watching recently uh either like on netflix or um disney plus or whatever um that you can see like the effects of filming during covid on them or at least i think i can uh, like not a lot of people in this in the same shot a lot of green screen use whatever um and like that was so stark for me uh watching loki and then going to see black widow in the theater and being like oh this was a movie that they filmed in a space with actors <laughs> uh, and they were all together uh my point being uh as as we start moving back maybe maybe uh, hopefully uh to filming things in real locations with actors in the same space um that like everything will just start to feel uh more like exciting and vital like that which will even apply to something like Pokemon which has so many um CG characters in it 
Yeah, totally. Speaking of leaks, after a few quiet months where we weren't getting a ton out of the Giga leak that happened, was it last year? Uh, yeah. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so be- if you don't recall, Nintendo and Nintendo's partners were hacked last year and there were like terabytes or whatever of data that were downloaded from them. So a lot of stuff has been coming out. Um, it kind of happens in spurts, it seems like. And most recently, there the most recent leaks included some interesting stuff ab- around the Wii and DS time. So as part of it, over 100 potential names for the Wii were released. Um, and it's basically just like an Excel doc. It looks like the names are in Japanese and then translated almost verbatim into English. Uh, and th- it was posted by Reset Resetera Resetera forum user Mondo Mega, and some of the names are kind of like are pretty interesting, um, including like Famicom Happy, Every Nintendo, Jet Nintendo, Nintendo Resort, Nintendo Aqua, Nintendo Air, Nintendo All Stars, Nintendo Earth, Nintendo Eternal. A Nintendo everyone. Um, yeah, so that it, it, it's kind of an interesting behind-the-scenes look at... Yeah. I mean, Wii is not even on this entry, so who knows when it's from. But a behind-the-scenes look on, you know, like, what, like new Nintendo GameCube, next Nintendo, just, like, all the names that must get thrown out as they're um, working their way to the final product. Yeah, that's so cool. I hope someday we get back to just calling whatever Nintendo is putting out um, either Famicom or uh, just the Nintendo. <laughs> Do you remember? Uh, so around before the release of the Wii U there were or the reveal at E3, there were tons of rumors about what this Project Cafe was going to be. And one of like, you know, the big rumors was that they were just going to call it Nintendo Entertainment System again. You know, oh, like going like like a gritty like a gritty reboot yeah. of the original, just dread. <laughs> uh, also, as part of this leak, there were some DS games that were in some form of development. It's not specified exactly like how far it made it into development or whether it was just purely like a presentation or a pitch. But some of these I thought were interesting. Um, Pokemon Pinball is listed as a DS title. Geist DS is listed that and also for including online play that I kind of wish we lived in a world where Geist was like an ongoing Nintendo series and not just kind of like a strange fever dream that happened on the GameCube. There's a game that's codenamed Plucker developed by a company called Nightlight. It's a proposal from Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic the Gathering. So kind of like listed, um, described here again by Mondo Mega as a strategy game that replaces card games with figures. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah. A little bit um, like Skylanders or those Toys to Life type thing before its time. The notes for New Super Mario Brothers specifically mention plans to distribute new levels through Wi-Fi after the fact, which would have been pretty cool. And then some details on some Wii titles. So Project Hammer, the ill-fated Project Hammer, is listed yes. as Hammerman, 
And the notes say, quote, aiming to create a Dynasty Warriors type game that will sell in North America. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There is Sphere. It's an unreleased end space game. And it's mentioned uh, it features a female spy infiltration action Metal Gear like switching between multiple remote cameras. There's a Metroid game developed by Intelligent Systems. We have seen some concept art from this previously. Um, Project X from Retro Studios, which is an action game featuring Sheik from Ocarina of Time. Again, I feel like some art from this has leaked out yeah, or we've like we... seen it from a portfolio in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Revo R by Hal. It's a like a racing game aiming for pop art style graphics. And then finally, Dance Dance Revolution Mario 2 for Wii um, that would be developed by Konami. And that, of course, I think is a missed opportunity for friend of the show and previous guest, Rachel Chapman. Um, that would have been one for her. Totally. I mean, you know, it's it's always uh, like fun and exciting to see these uh, leaked games that uh, ne- never came to fruition. But like you, you just know, like there has to the, the graveyards of uh, unreleased games uh, just stretch on for miles and miles uh, around every developer. But I feel like Nintendo has such this like, you know, level of like quality or like also just the general like you know, rabbity nature of like, they're going to see something and get spooked. Um, and then we, you know, we're never going to see project X out of retro studios. Um, that like, you know, for, for every leak that we do see, there's like a hundred more that, uh, games that we will never even get a whiff of. I know the mind reels. Like, I just, I don't think I could handle it if I knew like as a fan, like I think I would die of joy if, you know, I just knew every project the Nintendo had worked on and abandoned at some point. Like, that yeah. information, it would just fry my brain in the best way possible, right? It'd be like looking at the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, you, I mean, you want to think about, like, uh, uh, the video game equivalent of the Ark of the Covenant. Can you imagine if you had access to uh, every game that was ever pitched to Nintendo? Like, any uh, studio or developer that was, like, that Nintendo was like, yeah, what would you do with whatever property? And just like, just seeing those pitches, I feel like it would melt my brain. <laughs> yeah, the playable prototypes, the, you know, like, oh, yeah. Oh, Concept the vertical art. slices. I, yes. uh, just heaven. I would, I want to dive into it like a ball pit at McDonald's. Uh, please don't dive into those. They're very <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about the Steam Deck. I don't know entirely what there is to say about it um, other than steam has revealed or valve has revealed a new piece of hardware that they started taking pre-orders on that will be released in december and it is um very similar it's like valve's take on a switch essentially catering more to the audience that is already playing games on pc or on steam yeah, and like in in some ways, it is just a um a beefier version of the Switch, both in terms of tech specs uh, and physically. It looks like it is a a bigger machine, a bulkier machine. Um, and so like there there are some ways where this uh feels like a very good product, right? Where it's like, oh yes, I would like to play Witcher Three at its highest fidelity uh, on a handheld system. Ooh, yes, I would like to play Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on a handheld. Um, I would not like to be locked out of these games uh, where developers have said, no, we don't want to like, you know, pay the switch tax and like figure out how to make our 
games run on inferior hardware. But it's always going to lack Nintendo software, um, which has been the thing that has kept Nintendo handhelds and consoles um, a lot, not just alive, but thriving for, you know, 35 years. So, um, you know, it, it seems like a cool piece of kit, uh, but I would almost rather just have a either a high-end PC or, you know, PlayStation 5 or Xbox One X, Series X. Um, Xbox Series X, I guess, is the name of that uh, system. Um, and leave the, leave the, like, handheld experiences to um, the Nintendo things or the games that'll play nice on Nintendo hardware. Yeah, you know, I feel like there is a real opportunity in this space, right? Because yeah. one of the killer features of the Switch is, oh my gosh, I can take these full console games and it's also right. a handheld it's interesting to me that the this um steam deck i think doesn't do the like docking part of it it is a dedicated no it handheld. does oh okay got it, it does it does uh, and i i don't know if there are actual docks or just like an hdmi you just out, plug it in like you can just plug it in um which is also something that i wish the switch would do like it would be nice to hook it up without having to run it through the dock um but you know what what are you gonna do I don't think you do you have to run it through the dock like you can't do a USB-C to HDMI USB-C I don't even know if that's HMI. a thing. I, yeah, I don't I don't think it is. I I think I think it requires the dock um to do that. Um and I uh I I think the Steam Deck doesn't require a dock although they are selling docks for it as well. It is it's it, it's an interesting thing too when like you know in in some ways uh, it's not too different from like having a laptop and playing like Xbox games with like Xbox Game Plus on 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 your PC, or using uh you know remote play with like your iPhone or Vita or whatever for your uh, PlayStation Five. So like, I don't know. It's there are so many ways to approximate the Switch experience. Um, and like, I think one of the reasons that the Switch is so like attractive in the way it does that is that it is like a zero friction experience right like you just drop it into the dock and like you're playing it there you take it out you can pull the controllers off and be playing multiplayer instantly um this thing doesn't have removable controllers on it Uh, it's easy to pair other uh like bluetooth controllers but like it's still not the same as having it all sort of like in the box ready to go the second you open it yeah i mean i i think the value proposition of being able to take pretty much any game and having to be portable that's huge, right? That's one of the yeah. undeniable appeals of the Switch. I have to say, my eyes kind of rolled out of my head from rolling them too hard when I read Gabe Newell's quote, where he says, let me put it this way. If you're a gamer and you pick up a Switch and you pick up one of these, meaning the Steam Deck, you're going to know which one is right for you, right? And you're going to know it within 10 seconds. And the kind of like uh gaming is for men you know like machismo yeah. in that quote kind of uh, a little <laughs> makes me want to yeah die a little bit but um yeah but yeah i think i mean, I, yeah. I i i think there's room for it like i think that the steam deck if it is a good piece of hardware and works how they are saying it's going to work like could be enormously successful because i think people want that flexibility to being able to take their games portably um, Mark, I have been, I don't know if I've been saying it for a while, but I've been thinking it for a long time, uh, that it is a shame that Valve has never put Portal 2 on Switch. Um, I believe we've talked about it at least once on this show. 
Um, but this feels like the final nail in the coffin if Valve mm-hmm. is releasing mm-hmm. hardware um, to compete with the Switch and Gabe Duel is like, one of these is for babies and the other one isn't. <laughs> um, it seems like Portal 2 is never going to come to Switch. One of these are for man hands. <laughs> Which you and I have said multiple times on this show that we have enormous man hands. So, I mean, maybe it's I don't for know. us. Was maybe the Xbox we'll know Duke seconds. not big enough for you? Finally, we have, we, Patrick, you and I have Metroid Dread Fever. And right. really, the only cure is going to be the release of Metroid Dread when we get our grubby little hands on it, our grubby little All man hands yes, uh, yes. in October. But as if just trying to stoke our fevers even higher, GameStop has revealed an exclusive pre-order bonus, which is a pin set. You get a pin of Metroid in like an action pose. You get a a uh, a pin of, you said Emmy, of Metroid of of Samus of, of Samus. Yeah. yeah, why can't Metroid crawl? You why get a pin you? of Samus in like an action pose, and then Emmy like looking at, like it's about to uh, uh, dunk a basketball or something. It. Like, I feel like maybe it was the pandemic, maybe it was the Mario 35, but I've got a little bit of, like, an itch for pins now. I'm just like, oh, no. I want to collect these pins. <laughs> Mark! <laughs> uh, have you already pre-ordered a copy of Metroid Dread? No, I'm trying not to pre-order stuff anymore because um, if it's not, like, exclusive or it's not going to be rare, there's no real... Right point to do it i feel like i got burned with um uh outer worlds the uh from last summer when that released on switch and i ended up having a good time with it but you know like i had committed to buying this game and the reviews were not that great and had i uh waited i probably would have waited until a patch or it went on sale or something like that and so like i believe that metroid dread is going to be a high quality game but i don't feel the need necessarily to pre-order it which is why the, you, which is what, you know why they're doing this pin set for people right. like me that to are get on your the money. fence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, GameStop, I already have a copy of this game pre-ordered. In it's the collector's edition, so I'm already in for like ninety bucks. <laughs> did so, you get it? Did you pre-order from GameStop? I don't remember. I think <laughs> I, I think I uh, ended up grabbing one from Best Buy. Oh if yeah, serves yeah. me. But uh, maybe, maybe maybe it is a GameStop reservation, and uh, does. Does this say that I get this with the collector's edition? I don't know. I bet you could sweet talk your way into it, though. But then I've got to talk to someone from GameStop. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or any old place that you can share something, like uh, attached to a bird's cage. So that bird will read what they see and squawk about it to its bird friends. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo, and our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of 8 Betty's music by going to 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening.
name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.